and welcome to the Dr. Denise Show. I'm Kathleen O'Toole here for the Dr. Denise special carve-out series called On Staying Sane. And let me just remind you, because I bet the doctor doesn't do this, Dr. Denise is a board-certified adult and child psychiatrist. She practices in Southern California, but her words go across the world and they're here for you. They're here for you to choose. She curates all these wonderful topics. And I think today's topic is going to resonate with everyone. So excuse me, Denise, that I did that. Um, but, but I think that we forget how many hours, patient hours do you have? Like when we, when I first started working with you, it was one number, but years have passed. Where are we at now? Oh my goodness. Um, I believe 45,000 hours of patient care. And thank you, Kathleen. So this is not, you know, God bless our researchers, right? But this is someone who's in the trenches. She's lifting us up, helping patient after patient, day after day, weekends, mornings, nights. This is someone who knows the ins and outs of what individuals, teens, families, all of us struggle with. Today, we're talking on staying sane, the teen talk version. And this was a Dr. Denise suggestion. Why did why did you say we should tackle teenagers? We're going to just solve it in a half hour. Oh my goodness. So with humility, I, you know, everyone, I have my professional credentials, but I'm also a mom and I'm in the throes of raising a teen in these modern day times. So I thought I'm living it outside of my office hours and in it. And it's also been a big part of my kind of thinking about how I want to, number one, be of service to all of you listening, but number two, show some vulnerability. So kind of have a talk like about what's going on in the world of teen talks in the United States and also around the world. But then what's the reality of implementing um, a deeper dive relationship with your child, how to seek help. I just feel like I'm very qualified with humility. <laughs> and I mean that with like, oh my goodness, like my own son, he just turned 14. And I feel like I'm always learning. Like, so even though we have this 45,000 hours of patient care, the reality of what it takes to actually raise a teen. And I was doing some research, you know, just like you said, you know, I'm on the trenches of like, what's the data of the CDC, what's going on. And I keep reading teen mental health crisis and there is, but even those words kind of freak me out even. So I thought, well, why don't you and I just have a great discussion? We might even need to do a part two next time, but I just thought, why don't we just go there? Why don't we just elevate and celebrate so our teens are not having the crisis, how they can be in more of a peaceful place and we can too as parents. So Dr. Denise wanted to talk today about boundaries, bullying, consensuality, social media. So we promised to get to all those. But you just mentioned something, Dr. D, that I think that we should start with. And that's a deeper relationship with our teenagers. Now, I do uh, have a teenager in my home, 15, and I also have a 12-year-old. So that, you know, that's just a heartbeat away from the teen years. So you wanted to talk about deeper relationships. What, what do you want to teach us about that? 
Well, I think one of the things I'd like to start out with, because I did bring up the mental health crisis that is here in the United States and even pre-pandemic, because this relates to the importance of our relationship with our teens, the teen, the data is showing that even prior to the pandemic, that the rates of suicide were up 40%. Children are going into puberty at younger ages. And I've always talked to my son about protecting his brain. But when teens are going into puberty at a younger age, and they're having peer pressure, that influences their mental health. And the CDC is recommending that there's a lot more screenings. Specifically, there's a task force that recommends regular anxiety screenings for our kiddos from ages 8 to 18, depression um, screenings from 12 to 18, and also 50% of all lifelong mental health issues start before age 14. So I just wanted to give a little data before we, so it's so, so like we know that there's depression, anxiety, suicidality, um, bullying, social media, social pressure, but I like to, as a wellness advocate in the mental health arena, look at the data then look at the reality and look at the prevention. So I just want to give that data. And then um, if you want to ask the specific question again, I'll do a deep dive. I just wanted to kind of start. Thank you. We love data. So deeper relationships, that's a tricky, it's a tricky order. It's a tall order when it comes to our teenagers who are growing. Yes. So a couple of things. Each person, all of us have our own unique neuro style. And I think when you're raising um, your child, whether you're doing it with um, a mother and a father, uh, you know, uh, two, you know, two women, two men, uh, single parenting, I feel like it's so I'm humbled to be a parent, but it's, it's like the most, I would say the most important and the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. So if you're listening, I I feel like that reality of how do you know your own child, know yourself well enough and create a home environment and create streams of safety, of sacred discussions. And I can tell you what I do at my home, but I just want to say, I want people to think about this. You're in your home. You've got your particular way you view something then depending on how old you are raising your child, these kids were born with the iPads. They were born with their electronics. They were born with YouTube. They were born with Snapchat, Instagram. They are so much more connected to an electronic and almost like virtual world than we were as children. So that already creates the need to understand more their social landscaping versus R. So I think you really, I think it all starts with that awareness level of what's my mindset as a parent and what I want and what are they actually dealing with? What's coming at our kiddos at school and outside of school? So we need to really just stop and pause there and think about that. It's really a different time when you're raising a child and a teen these days. It is. And when we talk about, um, you're going to have to help me with the name of this gentleman, but I, I'm not putting you on the spot because you've interviewed, we've interviewed him before. And he's oh, Dr. Great. Jeff Shatkin. Yeah. Born to be wild. Yes. Yeah. So even though the landscape is changing from a technology standpoint, as we try to make these deeper relationships with our kids, what is not changing is what the, what the 
teenage body is doing and what it's supposed to be doing. And what, what your doctor colleague says is that this is the time that, that a, a child is supposed to start separating from his or her own family. This is the time that they're supposed to start going out on their own and then coming back to the nest, flying away. I mean, I'm simplifying. He's got a great body of research and work. But as we build these deeper relationships, it's something to keep in mind that it might seem like they don't want a relationship as much anymore, but that's not the case. This is what they're programmed to do, says Dr. Shatkin. I love that you brought that up. I have a really funny phrase that I've used throughout the years with my parents in my practice. And um, I'm so glad we're starting there. It's I call it the I love you, but I want to flip you off phase of development. <laughs> so it's like, and from a sociological perspective, you're exactly right. A hundred years ago, we are built. There's the animal part of us as human beings that wants to procreate. So the minute puberty hits, now we're in crisis because puberty's hitting sooner. We know that the brain, the prefrontal cortex, keeps myelinating and developing all the way up to age 25. But these kiddos are hitting puberty 11, 12, 13, 14. They're getting, quote unquote, as my son says, I'm just horny. So we've got horny teens and we've got this physiological stuff that's within our DNA all around the world. Back in the day, people were getting married earlier. They were more responsible. They, they, they just had different lives. When the lifespan wasn't to this age group, people were getting, you know, 100, 150 years ago, people were thinking about these things at age 16, 17, 18. But that's not the way modern day society is set up. And we know from Dr. Jess Shatkin's research that at this age, the teen years, is when they care the most about getting the approval from one another, the social hierarchies. And now that we have Snapchat, Instagram, Discord, all these ways that these kids make social groups, it's also very challenging as a parent to monitor this, monitor the passcodes, monitor the kind of naked photos or the, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about that, just all the access. It's like, you know, when we were kids, we didn't have the ability just to call someone up and FaceTime them. You had to pick up the phone. You had to walk to their home. So these kids are like ripe with like, I want to meet my, the person I think is hot. I want to have approval. And as a parent, it's very, very tricky to understand the levels. I'm just going to call it the metaverse or all the streams of communication that's coming at our teens. So there's so there's like we've already touched on most of the things that we promised we'd talk about. But I, I think that the next place to go is with this huge landscape that they're kind of out in is boundaries. So like what, you know, every parent is going to have a different comfort level with boundaries, but boundaries need to be discussed with teens. Yes. You know, that's so funny. Like in a way, okay, I just, okay, I will just be in the humble moment of at my home as a, my, in my home with my son and I, when he started switching away, um, he and I had done the, my son, my teacher series, and that was pre- full throttle puberty. Like he was just a preteen, just 13 going into 14 and boundaries. So 
I think that at everyone's home, you need to have your own boundaries of what's a good bedtime, what's a good nutrition plan. And I believe that you need to talk to your kids and the level of trust and respect going into the teen years, I think is the most important because then your kids actually want to listen to your boundaries. You can have rules. You can say, oh, bedtime should be this, or I don't want you doing this online or this. But if their kids don't respect you, these kids are so smart. They can go around you and figure out how to break the rules, right? So for for boundaries at my home, I just actually um, ripped up. I had all these typed. I didn't rip them up because they don't matter. I have typed out expectations. So right when my son started this, you know, idea of, oh my goodness, I have crushes, I have this. And also this also is also parallels what's going on in my practice. I think I I feel like boundaries, the word boundaries is so big. Let's just talk about um, electronic boundaries. I had a family meeting with my son probably four or five months ago. And the, the word family meeting, I think is one that should be in everyone's vocab. Right. It's like because meet- in a matter of time, they're going to be at work where they're going to have a meeting. So like, let's, let's just go down the meeting path now. Yes. And also, I think it's very important that when we're trying to make a point in anything we're doing, we're talking about boundaries and teen talks today, we literally have family meetings in the living room on the couch. And I set that up strategically so he would know that I mean business. It's not just kind of, I know there's times when I pick him up and drop him off from school. That's going to be another part of this discussion, um, like the sneaky teen talks. But I wanted something very important to address. I think it's important to have a family meeting and not make it always that there's something that's wrong or you're going to get in trouble. I've said, he's like, oh no, the family meeting. I'm like, no, 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 no. What's on your bucket list for summer? What do you want to do with volunteer work? What do you want to do? What's your own goal? So I use the family meetings to create respect, uh, integrity. And when you have that kind of relationship, that opens up to kids wanting to follow the boundaries. So um, a boundary for me at my home is I need to know your passcodes. I had a big talk with my son about consensuality, which he already knew about because we had done a show um, on the Ascension series on consensuality. And I talked to him. He knows what that means. He knows that um, for teens out there, if you are going to be kissing someone or any type of intimacy or even the way you talk to someone – Having a consent, is this what you want to talk about? Is this too far? And I think for a lot of, I wish there was an app, but I think that would cause problems because it would be like, like the parents could get in trouble. There's like an app for that. What'd you say? There's an app for that. Like yes. Some parents, I, I don't even know what the app, but I think I know that what the app would, wouldn't that be Tell me what the app you're suggesting is. Cause well, so a couple things. Number one, I don't think I'm going to just, I need to say this out loud. This type of an app would be very much, we would need help, I think, from the Surgeon General. I think there would need to be a consensus with pediatrics. I think that people would have to sign a liability thing. I think the world would have to kind of more vote on this because there's such a different belief system with different parents and their households about how much flirting 
um, marriage, excuse me, sex before marriage. There's different religious beliefs, cultural beliefs. Sure. And so I feel like there's, it's really loaded. But what I think, and I've told my son, especially having a boy, and, you know, we've had, we're living also in the pulse of consciousness landscape of the Me Too movement, which, by the way, I don't think anyone should be violated without their consent. So my son and I, and I think if you're a parent out there, and I don't know if your parents talk to you about sex or talk to you about condoms or talked, and that's different in every household. My household, we didn't talk about that. We, it was like sex ed happened at school. And I think um, the schools are, did do sex ed at my son's school and most schools in the United States do. I know that people that are listening from other countries, it's going to vary based on what culture you're in. So from a boundary standpoint, we're going to just go over, I think it's important to have a family meeting area. I think it's good to have a physical location. That means like this is really important. I actually, after I have a family meeting, I actually type it out and I actually go into the meeting at times. And this typing has really worked in our home. My son initials it. I have him initial the rules afterwards. It carries a higher level and that works for his neuro style. Now, some parents, if their kids saw you typing out a list, they just flip you off. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not signing this. So I just want to make sure that I think, oh, really? I guess, yeah, I guess that would happen. But no, it can't. No, but it could. I mean, not everyone. I just want people to know you might be listening and going, this doesn't sound. But I have to tell you, my son needs boundaries. Our kids, it's the I love you, but I want to flip you off phase of development, which you alluded to. It's I want to go out. So physiologically, the teen brain is I want to go out and conquer the world. I want to procreate as much as possible. Now, I don't think our teens are saying I want to have babies, but they're just naturally wanting to have sex because that's what they're programmed. And we're living in a different environment where people go to school longer. And so their teen brains are doing exactly what they should from an animalistic standpoint. But the reality is, I don't want to be a grandma right now. I don't want my son getting an STD. You guys don't want to be grandparents with the teens. So you need to have these talks. I love that most schools in the United States are having sex ed. So from a boundary standpoint, I've ta- I think it's important that parents um, talk about the importance of having passcodes. I think that you need to be able to address with your teen when someone might call you and they don't have clothes on, if they're being sent pictures, um, that that's, you know, considered child pornography, that that really, you shouldn't really have that on your phone. Now, I think a lot of people run around with pictures on their phone and different states have different laws. So talking about the legal ramifications and getting consent. So how would that app look? I think anytime we talk about consensuality, and it would be nice, ideally, that you have it in writing and even a voice message saying yes. Now I even I get concerned about giving this advice because now we have artificial intelligence that can literally mimic someone's name. So, so we're kind of living, Kathleen, at really rapid times where we've got the animalistic reality of humans and then we've got the virtual reality world that's just inundating. Um, Okay, I'm going to shush and just hear what you want to say. Yeah, I just want to pop in on boundaries myself as, as you know, a mother and, you know, who knows a lot of other parents with teenagers. I, uh, for me too, at my house, boundaries also relate to like what you said about how the child wouldn't sign the form and would just um, flip off the parent. So 
I guess this is something that perhaps many parents start earlier with boundaries. And I've read over and over that kids love boundaries. They love like routines and boundaries. And that if they do this, they know how their parents going to react. Uh, I know my kids do. They, they, they know if they do this, then the, the parent is going to react warmly and nurture in a nurturing fashion. And if they do this it's likely the parent is not going to be happy. Um, so, so it's like kind of boundaries about what, what's expected of, of them from a, from a familial peace and respect in the home. So we set boundaries. And in fact, I just reset them last weekend, uh, the boundary on that. Like this is how we're speaking to one another in the home and acting at one another. And this is a whole control alt delete and we're no one's in trouble now, but we are expecting a elevated type of behavior. And so the boundaries can, you know, like you talked about consensuality with boundaries. And I think that's very important for the teenagers. But I also think too, you know, there's a way you want your home to be. And somehow the, some parents don't mind shouting at their, like they, they're shouters and they like shouting at their child and they don't mind shouting back. Everybody has their own comfort level. Somebody doesn't, you know, slam a slam door just does not, nobody slams a door in my house. That makes me nuts. And they know it, right? Like, Impulse control, no slamming doors. Flipping me off would be, you know. But so that's the that's the that's the the environment you create with your boundaries, and and it's okay that your boundaries, Doctor Denise, are probably different than mine, right? And the next guys are different. But I do think it's important for a teenager to know what the boundaries are because all that indecision and all that uncertainty, that's, I think, where the problems lie. If the boundaries are tighter or looser or very loose, but that they're there and everyone knows where they're, where they're at. I completely agree with you. And I was listening very careful, uh, carefully to all your words. Um, and a couple things that I just jotted down as I was listening to you. So a couple things, respect between yourself and your teens is something that evolves over time. And Kathleen, you just hit consistency, what to expect, nurturing. I think we're living at a very challenging time and we have to know our own child's unique way that they like to receive love. Okay. And Uh I love Gary Chapman's um, book on um, the five languages of love. And I think my daughter and I were just talking about that this week at at bedtime. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I just want to, so the reason why I'm bringing this up is in order to have a healthy relationship, parent, child, and a healthy relationship in any way, but we're talking about teen talks. I think Gary Chapman's body of work was, you know, about couples and relationships, but I've said universally on different shows that I believe the five languages of love are very important. Here they are. Words of affirmation. We're making your child or teen feel good, like way to go. Good job. Quality time where you're just with your child or with your teen. The other thing I would say is um, there's gifts. Access service, gifts, and touch. Yes. So the reason why I'm bringing this up 
And the reason why this is so important to me, I'm like living the Vita Loca as a teen mom, is that my son's languages of love are quality of time and acts of service. So I believe have a quality relationship between you and your child. They're going to respect you. They're going to have what I call in-in, in integrity to themselves, in integrity to you and as a family. And I find that the more I'm spending the, all this time with my son, he really cares what I think. So he values my parental opinion and he's able to, when I mean business or I get upset, and I usually take a real mindful approach to parenting, but my mom saw it over spring break, grandma saw it, that sometimes my son needs to be yelled at, which I don't like to even say. Even saying that out loud is like nails on the chalkboard. But the reality is sometimes as a parent, you do the calm voice, you have the written expectations, you have the boundaries, but sometimes our, our teens are testing it. And every teen's neurostyle is different. So I don't want anyone to think you have to have this perfect plan. So I, what I wrote when you were saying everything, I wrote down the importance of integrity with communication, knowing your teen and yourself's um, love languages. And the word that just comes to mind that's so simple, simple for being a good parent is know your audience. And my son, know your audience. One minute he could be playing video games with his friends. And I hear a lot more profanity. And by the way, I've given, I, I don't want to sound like I'm so lax as a parent, but the teen landscape of use of profanity in video gaming and like, like almost like razzing each other and throwing each other under the bus. If you listen to most teen video gaming streams live, it sounds like there's a lot of bullying going on. So what's really challenging is a lot of these games that the kids are playing are fight games or reality games or this. And so I've had to tell my son, because I've given up on, I don't believe I'm going to get him to have no profanity with his friends. But by the way, if you have that rule at your home and your teen's following it, go you. So I, I just, I can't, that's just not realistic with my teens neuro style, but they don't do it in a mean way. So it's like, you have to know your audience, know your friendship group, know the perception, but there's times when he's switching over from being with his friends and he's still using, I go, wait a second, excuse me. Who are you talking to? I'm your mom. This is not okay. I am not 14 years old. I'm not one of your video game buddies. It's like, yo, well, you're so fun. I go, nope, I'm your parent. And so I, I'm always doing even, you know, I'm always resetting the room of the boundaries and the expectations. And depending on your teen's um, impulse control, neuro style, it can be exhausting, everyone. I mean, being a parent and raising a teen is, and doing it in a way that's providing the guidance can be very tiring, but I think <laughs> it's really worth it. <laughs> Sorry, I just like... Oh, you think tiring? Oh, no, I think I think I'd like to create like a lazy river tour vacation for parents of teens, where you just get to just get your little floaty. And by the way, I do that visualization at night, like okay, patience done, sun picked up, dinner on table, and I light a candle. I'm like, phew. So I don't yeah. know. Other, like, it's tiring. I wanted to. I wanted to jump back. Um, yeah, it is tiring. To you talked about um, your son really the quality time is a big deal with him. And I wanted to make a, a, a one more quick 
plug for quality time, right? Mm-hmm. Because what quality time also, it has like a hidden benefit because let's be honest, we all make mistakes as parents and teenagers, but you know, this is mostly for the parents. We all make mistakes, but if you have invested the quality time and spent all this lovely time talking about issues and, and whatever it is, that's quality time for you and your teenager. If you, if you pop off, if you drop the ball, if you make a mistake, boy, it's a lot less significant, right? If you have really invested some quality time, but if you have been really stingy with your, your time and then the mistake becomes a bit much bigger part of it, right? So that's just another plug. And listen, you know, Dr. Denise and I are working people. We're not like living in this la-la land where, you know, we have fairies and birds do all our work and, you know, we do heavy lifting. So we're not, we're, we're not in this ivory tower spending all this quality time and kumbaya, right? Like we have to carve out these moments for Dr. Denise, it's in the, in the car. And for me, actually, the car is a magical place. And I know you've said this with your patients too, that car time, if you can do it, um, driving to and fro and for Dr. Denise and her son, it's, it's pool time. Um, you know, it's these little, the holiday time is awesome. Dying eggs with my daughter last weekend, you know, that's the, those are the times. And so that when, when you have a rough patch, you have you have such an investment in that emotional bank that it's okay. Yeah, you know, I'm listening to everything, and I think it's really important because this is such a big topic. So we're talking about teen talks, boundaries, um, some really key phrases that work. I like to have phrases that stick because that this is a cognitive reframing. It's what I do as a doctor, but it's also what I do as a mom. So here we talked about family time today. I think get a place that works and resonates with your family. Maybe it's not in your home. Maybe family time, you go for a drive. And I think you engage your child. My son likes the couch. Ask your, as your teen's getting older, hey, what's the best place to have our discussions about what you're looking at for the summer or what you might want to do for college or your sport or your volunteer work? Engage your own household and family time. Also, quality time um, and discussions about balance. What I think, oh, okay, I'm going to keep going because you can't hear me, but I'm going to just wrap up here. Um, Quality time. um, Also, pick up and drop off. Kathleen just mentioned that um, pick up and drop offs, that sneaky place to have the quality time. And when you do have it, family time, you want to be able to also own your own mistakes. Kathleen talked about when we make mistakes, be able to say sorry, set goals with your family, talk with your teen about balance, the importance of balancing good nutrition, exercise, dating. Also, the other big phrase besides family time is protect your brain. Why don't we do a part two um, on protect your brain next time because Kathleen said that our call dropped and I feel like we can do teen talks part two with how to discuss protecting your brain. Okay, everyone. Um, we have, thank you so much for joining on staying saying Kathleen dropped off right at the end, but this is a good place to finish. Thank you everyone. Mm-hmm.